You're listening to Agile Next, the next generation Agile talk show. I'm Daniel Gulo. And I'm Stephen Forte. Each week, we ask industry leaders to share their past experiences with Agile practices and to provide their insights into where Agile's heading to next. The show is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and by visiting our website at www.agilenext.tv. This episode is brought to you by Applebrook Consulting and Fresco Capital. Whatever your Agile needs, Applebrook Consulting can help with training and coaching. Visit our website at www.apple-brook.com. Fresco Capital is a global venture capital firm focusing on entrepreneurs building global businesses. Visit our website at fresco.vc. Episode 19, October 20th, 2016. Today on the show, we have Pinel Dave. Pinel is an independent contractor working on Microsoft SQL Server technologies here in Bangalore, India. Pinel, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm so happy to be here. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, we love having you, Pinel. And we wanted to ask you a question. We're here at the um, Scrum Gathering in Bangalore. So we're, we're here recording in India. And we've been asking the guests that have been on the show from the Indian market what things are like in India. And before you were an independent consultant building your current business, you worked at an American startup. So you didn't work at a big, big company. You worked at an American startup that was, was quite small, took a lot of venture capital, I think over $100 million worth of venture capital, became one of the, quote, unicorns worth over a billion dollars, fast-growing company. What was it like to work at a startup that was not Indian, but in the Indian market? Fantastic. So this is very unique because there are usually there are startups, people work in an offshore, which means USA or, or uh, out of the India, and they have different way of working. And then there are startups, which is in India, they have their own challenges and their way of working. But I thought, yes, absolutely. I was in a unique position where I was in a startup kind of environment uh, where it was based out of USA and I was in India. Well, challenges were very, very different. First, uh, most important challenge was the time zone. And I think that's just true for any of them because I think they, just like any other startup, they wanted to move fast and they did move fast, did fantastic well, a great organization. But I think time zone presented a lot of challenges for us because our customer, when we wanted to uh, demonstrate a lot of uh, our products and a lot of other features and things, we were capable of doing it. But I think every single question, every single feature and all this had most of the time had to wait to turn around from the US team. And I think for a startup, that was big challenges. And um, because customer expect answer immediately in our time zone, like if we meet at 11 a.m., they were thinking that by 6 p.m. we would have an answer. But here, sometime answer was delivered next day and or day after and i think that was a big big challenge i think we faced and uh, i think that that taught us very valuable lesson that we have to have multiple hats we did a lot of just like any startup this is true but i think if you are working in a startup where you are in india i think one thing um, uh, you need to learn if your product is uh, out of indian or in different time zone you must know a lot about everything so i 
was in a one different role but i pretty much in uh, doing multiple roles for the organization and that taught me a lot of thing i become a sales guy i become their marketing guy i become their technology guy i become their developer i become their support guy and things and i think that was if i was not that i think i would have not lasted in their organization for three whole years well you you were very technical i mean i i knew you before you worked at that startup you worked at microsoft and you had a very technical role I and mean, we met at conferences and things like that and um, you were a very technical role, and then you came to that startup, and you were a developer evangelist. Okay. But now you're telling me that you learned sales, marketing, and what were the other things, the other functions you were doing? Uh, I think support, as well as I think being hands-on developer, and I think a lot of research of my own, like digging to the company documentation. Because even though I go to my um, my head and my manager, and I ask the question, he they would definitely find the answer. But look at this, that is not the answer he would have done he would have answered in united states because he had a somebody else sitting across the table who would be answering this so asking him this question uh has a also burden on him i understand that and then uh even though he puts me with the right person now think about this way when you have never met the person or when you are out of the sight out of the mind most of the time uh it's so hard to get things done when you are just not there so i think that made us dig to the documentation that made us to come up with answer of our own like i just learned what is the like for a, let me give you a small example and i think that would uh, give you answer uh, describe the scenario very well one of the customer one time asked us what is the cdn do you guys use and i knew cdn but i was like okay i did just that's a good question now what should i do i said let me figure it out i'll give you answer in 5 minute while while we were talking about seeing a demo i quickly searched on my phone and i i looked up uh, various source code of our thing and i figured it out one ip address look up ip reverse engineered i said oh this ip address of this particular cdn uh, out based out of it i checked uh, vpn checked us site checked different vpn belong to the same cdn within a 10 minutes i told them okay this is the cdn we use and these are the feature and feature of the cdn so we can do or we can always give you better service by delivering our content locally and customer was so impressed and i don't have to go to usa but this is the challenge well, it, it's interesting because a CDN, for the people in the audience who don't know, is a content delivery network. It's very sophisticated for distributing content globally. And that's a decision made at home office by the CTO and potentially the CMO. And you as a country manager or someone working in, you know, someone working in, in, in inside of the other country are not necessarily privy to that information, but use your technical skills to find out. So it's demonstrating tons of hustle for sure yes and those kind of challenges like if i go back to ask them if i ask my manager he would ask the cto a tech team come back to answer and when they when and i think the first question they would ask me instead of giving me right answer is usually why do you want to know know this because maybe your question is not in a place are you asking for this reason now giving a lot of context background it just lot of thing to do and then if you don't answer your customer what was cdn and things i think they also really did not care it was just one of the question top of the head if you answer them immediately right there right then it works otherwise um, i think entire conversation has no value so pinal that sounds very interesting in dealing with the us market and and the indian markets what kind of cultural challenges and and so forth did you see there are two kind of cultural challenges which i would like to call out and that's i think we had to educate um, our customer as well as um, our uh, uh, co- colleagues in the united states because there see this is what it is 
uh, when we talked about India market, we are always being frugal and we believe that, you know, we can always ask for more and we, and that's nothing wrong with it. And uh, like, uh, I think that was a big cultural uh, uh, learning for all of us was very simple. Like once uh, we talk to a, like let's let's talk a scenario i think scenario explains this very better like we like we went to our organization and this is a fake scenario but i think there are a lot of things i'm stitching together and saying it you went to organization talk to one person about pricing then you talk to second person about pricing and then finally you offer one price to the customer and customer said this looks perfect please send us a quote for it and we'll get it processed in a two days well, it sounds good to you. And what you expect, maybe for within a four days, things will happen. Now, this is what happens after two days. After two to four days, when you follow up, they said, we are not going to continue with it because we just think your price is a high. And that's a lot of, lot of challenges. This is a real culture challenge. How do I go and explain to my colleagues that we had definitely their commitment on an email, on the paper and everywhere. Now they are going back. I mean, not everything has an answer of lawsuit or, or holding people legally bound on the email which they have written. And and things won't go that way. You don't want to fight with the customer. You want to win the business, win their heart, and most importantly, uh, share your knowledge which you have. It's, and that's not, none of this is now talking there. So we had to educate uh, our colleagues that India behaves like this way. And we have to educate our, our customer that, hey, this is will not be accepted in a future with us because we are US best organization. So we were like in between, we were continuously uh, uh, balancing act on both the ways and that taught us a lot. I mean, uh, people's mentality, psychology, and most important thing, how persistent and patient we have to be with every single thing when you still have to make your number, when you still have to do your goals and achieve and prove that you are the best guy in your organization because there is always going to be competition. Let's not deny it. No matter how great organization is, you always want to do better than your colleagues. You always want to give the best to your organization for keeping you there. So that is one. And there is a second one, which is like a more of a human thing, which is interpersonal thing. Like because we are in India, like think about this way. Um, most of the time we do not uh, start our day till 10 a.m. and we work late and that's like how we are one example or second example is that we not necessarily like to uh, uh, we are so quick on emails or, uh, or or this is not for generic for everybody but this is most of the time like email is not a most preferred way of communicating in India most of the time people just pick up a phone call and calls whereas in United States when you call 99% of the time you are going to get voice message right two different behavior of the people so a lot of documentation and things we do not have on email they are on words they are with the people and 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 how do you translate this thing and in a big business when you are growing business a lot of things were done like this way and a lot of intelligence was in a people's mind instead of putting in a system so i think that was a lot of shift uh, as an indian startup i had to also adopt to uh, start documenting things. Once you come back home, you have to document. You get lazy for documenting today. Yeah, tomorrow, you're not going to document yesterday. And I think that was a huge shift. And I think we all get mentored. I was actually being honest. I, I, I was called up by my boss and said, I think this is the one thing you need to do better. You've been amazing. And I think I learned, uh, even though I lived in USA, I had a lot of things uh, adopted my culture. But I think in a documentation, I needed improvement. So that's an amazing story about how you, the American company, started influencing you and the cultural differences, as Daniel just asked you. 
Um, I'd like to hear actually about the reverse now is how did having an Indian office change the culture at the parent company? And before you answer the question, just give you some context as I lived through that myself where I, I, as you know, I worked at a company that was based in Bulgaria and we had American offices and I actually lived in Hong Kong and my office wasn't Chinese. It wasn't American. It was Bulgarian. And, um, in essence, you know, did the local culture eventually started bubbling its well up and changing the entire organization? Did that happen in your organization? Uh, it definitely did at a certain things. I think two or three things uh, really, really uh, inspired them. First of all, they understood that the power of the people is tremendous. What I mean by that, like we might not have uh, such a large business initially to offer, but sheer volume of the people, sheer love and sheer presence in a media as well as social media. I mean, it's just too much. And if you start leveraging that, I think that can help your business a lot. So sometimes you need to look at the amount of the grandness of the people, not in terms of uh, uh, money, but you should see the power of the people, brain of the people, love of the people, things comes up. And I think we were able to convey this to our, our uh, global team. And they did understand a lot of this. And uh, I can't go in specific, but we can definitely say that we did leverage the amount of the people and, and the sheer love of the people to help uh, our organization go to next level. Second thing, uh, we really help, uh, uh, we change uh, one culture was um, a time zone thing. Like, you know, in the United States, a lot of people just uh, after 5 p.m., they don't check emails and they don't respond. But I think uh, because we need a lot of support during the evening, we need a lot of uh, approval when we were startup, right? I mean, because see, this is not a typical company. When we say approval, it's like, hey, we need this particular feature in our system. Can, can we think we can get them in one week? I said, yeah, okay, we'll go tell our customer tomorrow because you need to get that business immediately. You can't wait. And those kind of approvals or kind of conversation, I think our global team supported us and they stayed up. So they start staying up in a night. And I think uh, one of my friend, colleague, they keep on saying, because you keep me up in a late night, uh, I'm now no more going home office at 7 a.m. He was going and he started to go at 10 a.m. Because now he can't make it. And I think that is the change we inspired. And I think uh, most important, I think one which we want to take away is the power of people. Uh, I think that uh, we were able to gather from India. And uh, so I think that's a learning for every global product one. Like if you can somehow make it available to a lot of people in India, I think it will really, really help. Speaking about, you know, distributing information globally and, and even reaching out to sort of a community, um, you have a very successful blog, right, called SQL Authority. And it's got a million visitors per per month. Yes, it has almost one million and sometimes more. But one million is the bottom in last six years. Uh, unique views every single month. Okay. And you've written a book about your blog called The, S the Secret Toolbox of Successful Bloggers. So talk about that a little bit. Uh, good question. I always like to talk about this a lot. So you feel free to stop me or just raise hand and say, hey, we talked. To, you just talked a lot about it. Uh, so uh, what is I mean, I, I want to divide this entire thing in a three part is the first is when I started blogging, I started blogging 10 years ago and I've been blogging every single day since then. Haven't missed a single day, no matter what happens. Over 3,600 blog posts. That's yeah. amazing. Yes, I think, yes, I reached 3,600 as of now. Uh, this week I will be hitting it because sometime I was in a, so much happy that I posted twice a day. 
but uh, I would be hitting my anniversary, 10th anniversary on 1st November 2016, or 10th anniversary uh, at that time. And I think I would be have around 3,700 blog posts every single day. My daughter, I was married. Um, my um, uh, One of the elderly person in our home passed away. Uh, my daughter was born. I traveled the world. I, I did a lot of things. Haven't missed a single day. And uh, I think that is the key to successful being a blogger. So I wanted to share that up front. Frequency of content. Frequency, uh, definitely quality and all other thing matters. I mean, so I'm not denying that, but I think frequency is critical. Like you write one blog post in one year, I think that's a, that would be good for that year. But uh, in a technology world, things changes, right? So uh, you need to stay up with it and you need to keep it updated. So should we have one podcast a day or is one per week good enough? I think one per week is good because, um, uh, but uh, we would be happy to have all this thing once or maybe twice a week sometime in the future. But right now, uh, we really love all the um, uh, all the thing which you share on a uh, on your podcast, and so that's one frequency. Uh, and second one, uh, I want to talk about blog is that I blog about technology, but I have never hesitated to write personal thing on it again don't think personal is like when I walk up and things that's not what I'm saying but if I learn something new if I see something new if I find something new in internet and I think everybody will be help uh, find it helpful I'll write about it for example one time I wrote why this particular HP printer prints always with yellow tint and uh, I think uh, and I know how to fix it and I think I was the only one person blogging about it and that blog was hit for almost two years because uh, that HP was there for that long and had a yellow tint once in a while. Uh, similar thing I posted on a, how, what is the, how do you reset the count of uh, your SMS or text message in uh, Android? Once, and I had that problem. It was annoying. You see one, you click, there is none, and you click. and So it was very annoying. I wrote about it, and I think I was the first one to write about that. Uh, and after that, a lot of people copied, but still, uh, when you talk about Android 2.3, that blog post comes. So it's a more of a personal technology. Uh, I wrote about it, what I encountered, because I believe other people would face it. And I think third and final thing about my blog, I would like to say that it is, uh, we are very thankful for it because it is feeding my entire family, bread and butter earned through it. And all last 10 years, uh, people know me because of that. I'm here because of that. And um, most important thing, uh, right now, I'm 100% dependent on it to get my consulting business. And uh, I think it's helping me very, very much. So when you blog about being on the podcast, a million people will read it is what you're telling us. I hope a million people would read it, but uh, I'm sure it may not immediately on a day one, but I'm sure a lot of people would... Uh, um, a lot of people would eventually, within a short period of time, would like to listen it because uh, podcast is a very, very uh, interesting because you, if I have to read about what we just talked about, when you transcript and put it out, I mean, uh, first few paragraphs, everybody will read and then people will only focus on questions. So your blog, you've actually turned into to run your business. You said you get all your leads from your, from your blog, from, from readers of your blog. So I find that a very um, new economy 
type of business. You are, you are writing a blog to promote yourself, but you also write it as a labor of love because yeah. no one's going to write about an HP printer, uh, yellow tint, yeah. unless you truly want to help people. So your passion comes through. Yeah. But then you're also using it to um, find leads for your business. And um, I find that as actually a very new economy kind of thing. Can you talk a little bit about how that's been successful for you? Right. So uh, I think since last year, I've been an independent consultant. Uh, and uh, I see when I went independent consultant, uh, I thought about a few things like what are the most important thing one need to run a business? A good website. Absolutely. A uh, good office. So I had a good home office. I work from there. Uh, you need a good internet. You need a good people. And when you are one person company, you need a good knowledge. So if you have this, you can jump into business. That's what I believe. I mean, there are a few more things to talk about, like how much connect you have. Well, I had a lot of connect, a lot of people knew me across the year, a lot of consulting gigs I've done. I work in a greatest of the greatest companies in the world people dream to work with. So, I mean, I, I, I had all this content in me. So I just thought, okay, perfect time to be independent. And uh, well, I have been independent and, and it was interesting. After having such a successful blog for first four months, I got only four projects to work with. And uh, I think I didn't do well uh, and financially. I had to dip into my saving. I had a saving for a year. I just thought I will survive for an entire year if I don't get anything. And that's when I jumped. But I think first four months, even though I had a successful blog, uh, I didn't get good business. So that was a big challenge, how to turn this thing. And I think very quickly, I understood that more and more people I meet along with my blogging. And I explained that I am independent. I'm looking for work and I'm available. I think that would is required. And trust me, I went to a lot of events where I'm speaking. Many places they invited me to speak. Many places I paid money to just go and attend and do network. So power of networking, they look at me and they say, oh, you are here? And when I said, I'm available for work, a lot of people say, really? And I think that, I think my popularity of the, my blog, I was able to turn once I had word of mouth out. And then after, now I think a lot of people say, hey, the guy of the SQL authority is available for work. I think that is what is working. Matter of the fact, um, I'm so fortunate that I'm able to work at American Red staying in India right now uh, because the, I, I, I have a knowledge. I have a web successful blog. I have everything. It's just um, I didn't have a, a people coming to me. Now I had a dedicated place on my blog, people where I say hire me and people can reach me via that. I think things are working and maybe I was just uh, thinking if what happens if I put my rate outside do you think people will come or not come more? I, I just don't know. So that's one experiment I've been thinking in my mind. May not do for a couple of months till my existing contracts expire. But, but that's what Agile is all about, experimentation. Absolutely. So what do you think? I ask you a question back. What do you think if I put my rate out uh, that this is what I charge? Do you think I, I know? Don't say it depends. What's your initial feeling? Uh, 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 that uh, is it good idea to do or it's just not a good idea to do and let people reach out to you so I'm, I'm very transparent and open about my rates because uh, from my perspective um, there's a vast range of different levels of service right and I, I oftentimes use the analogy when I'm explaining like what niche or what part of the market I fit in I'm kind of like the Mercedes BMW level I'm not like the Aston Martin or Bugatti, like maybe like Mike Cohn or somebody or Jeff Sutherland. I'm at that level, but I'm not the, I'm not the Kia or the Yaris level of, of service. 
So this is the, these are the rates I charge. And for some people that's acceptable for others, it's not. And that's perfectly okay with me. But would you put it on a public? Oh yeah. I have a rate card that I actually share with anyone who wants to see it. Right. No, that I do when they ask. No, I, I, I believe in the, what Daniel just said is public transparency. Give it, give it a shot. The worst that can happen is um, at worst, it will, um, people will just ignore it and move on. And at best, people will come to you and self-select. I mean, can you imagine going to a restaurant and you like see all the stuff that's on there, but no prices? That's a fantastic. I never thought like this way. I know what I'm going to do. This project is not going to wait two months. I just have to go home today. So, hey, this is a good learning. I mean, actually, I got coached from Agile Coaches in just this webcast. Am I not here to share my knowledge? Or I, but that's all about everything. So, uh, thank you. I mean, that's fantastic. I hope we can, this will be there, right? I mean. And ultimately, run the experiment, right? right that's, yeah. what, that's what being agile is all about, right? Running that experiment, learning from the results, iterating, right. and then making a decision. Maybe, maybe in India, it doesn't work, right? You only know by trying. So, I would try it immediately. Fantastic. I think that when you say agile and my rates, I have an interesting story to share. I think um, uh, that let me just talk about this. This has happened actually matter of the fact yesterday uh, between 2 to 4 p.m. Um, I had a one customer and uh, we had a they, they were following the uh, agile methodologies and they had an agile uh, cycle for two weeks. And they said this is the time when our product goes live. And in the product two weeks ago, I have put a lot of efforts to tune their server. Now, as you know, in a database, uh, what works on your PC? I heard there's a Twitter handle named, named. this works on my PC. So that's uh, it doesn't work sometime when you go into production. So, you know, that's uh, I, I knew. So they, they said okay how about you pay we we hire you for two hours after right after our production goes live uh, that would when our agile cycle our agile will be deployed our, our cycle will be deployed delivery will be deployed and they will uh, you watch, watch the server for two hours i said fantastic you know two hours uh, you just have to watch the server and get paid i, I like it and and work was already done now, yesterday, 2 p.m., I went live, um, and I think a lot of conversation was going on in the meeting room. Uh, 2 to 4, uh, I'll sum it up what happened, actually. Uh, their U.S. team were actually completed all the milestones, and they released the product. So on their part, they were done. In India team, they didn't finish one part because one of the person had some kind of family emergency, didn't come and didn't finish the task. Other ta guy tried to complete the task, but he didn't have a complete idea. So he finished what he think was right and let the product integrate with the main branch. And they were using this uh, GitHub and all these things. So they, they merged it. They allowed, absolutely, they allowed a, a merging of the various uh, part of the code and the part because the new guy coded it uh, he didn't do it in a chunk by how he should do in a in a, in a following a proper methodology so there was one gigantic code and one commit a large commit was in the entire system which did not work eventually and now they had to roll that particular thing back and they faced the problem because now without that entire functionality didn't work now they have to roll back the entire release and they had, they right now had no idea what to do with this chunk of code, chunk of things which is done by USA and chunk of things which is done by India and the guy's large amount of the chunk of the code. Now they were sitting on these four pieces and thinking where actually we went wrong in the entire agile process. They had a check marks 
they had a regular scrum meetings they had all milestone met and they were just ready to they just thought everything is right two weeks of cycle two hour i watch and after two hour four o'clock they told me oh, that was very unfortunate what they told me as we couldn't do any achievement we would like you to come back for next week same time two to four we will have figured out this mess by then i was happy that i'm going to get paid again for next two hours but the next statement was heartbreaking they said and we expect your cooperation for you not charging for this two hours i reluctantly agree not reluctantly i immediately agree because i did i know there is no other option i have if i say no uh, i think i would be losing the customer on this and instead of their messy code discussion point would be me so yeah i think that's happened i think the, and they were talking about this continuous delivery they were saying instead of doing this two weekly release should we do continuous delivery should we do frequent uh, release and uh, they were saying agile is not working or agile is working nobody knew i think what do you think about it what's your opinion is continuous delivery not agile or is it agile what is your thought about it continuous delivery is clearly agile so it sounds to us that the customer has a misunderstanding of what it means to be agile and we 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 hear this all the time right daniel on the show absolutely your story is actually not uncommon unfortunately okay maybe i thought it's special but not really okay because yeah so and another thing was um, uh, they were talking about that like how to use git with agile and they were they had a lot of different opinion when to fork it when not to fork the one when to commit who will be master committing and i i i think uh, people are just lost i think the i think the na- notion of the uh, agile theory they are just not sure people i think we need a better coach or i think the coach needs to evolve i think they are teaching the same thing which we learned in a book 6 year ago there is a check marks you do the check marks follow the check marks every day morning come back talk about this how big is your scrum cycle i think i think coaches has to also uh uh grow from this one sounds like the coaches and the organization are just trying to follow a set of rules and not actually embrace a set of values that seems like the case actually you are very very right and uh, and it was so interesting that a company with a 40 developer lost their two weeks of time and they are not ready to understand and they don't even know where to look for a problem uh, i think this was so disheartening and they were blaming the process instead of figuring out where things went wrong well that leads us to a question we ask all our guests is where where do you think uh you, you know you you you've worked at big large companies you worked at microsoft which was humongous and you worked at a small startup which grew big and then now you're an independent consultant where you go you work at your own company but then you're also you see all these other companies agile and what you've just described as non-agile process um what do you from your from your unique perspective where do you see the future of agile heading so future of agile is very good it's just i think as i i think i just touched bit little bit before in uh, conversation i think i think the future of agile is going to be more technical or technology oriented i think the things are moving so fast uh and so much distributed than before uh, people in the same room or even people all the people available to have in a same stand up is uh, is going to uh, be challenging i think time zone is issue traveling is issue small startups has a people not available or one person doing multiple role meetings and conversations or partnerships and things i think agile will uh, i think is going to grow big in a different way it's going to be more distributed that's what i feel i think there will be more tools available for people to collaborate i think 
tool like Skype now even gives you screen sharing. The same way, I believe the Agile will have uh, will come up with a certain set of tools which allows people to be independent, more control of the time, but still be agile and still sync to the processes where things would be much more streamlined where at the end of the time. I think the visibility of everybody's progress right now is also a challenge. What you what you call I'm done with the product may be very differently perceived by different people when they call it done. And some people code, call committing the code is done and some people call it like entire QA done. So I think it, it I, and when people are distributed and not able to see face to face, these challenges are unique. And I think I believe uh, Agile is more important than before because things keep on changing. They have to quickly distribute it among the people of different stakeholders to do their part and overcome the issues. So I think that's where I see Agile going, more tools, more distributed, and I think more empowering and more transparent uh, in the near future. We like to also ask our guests what the future holds for them. So over the next, say, year or so, what do you have planned? Any books or, or blogs and so on? I write writing books. I have written 13 books so far, but I no more make any money in it. And I think the money perspective is gone. So I, if I ever write a book, I would write more of an ebook and freely distribute to the people. That's my thought process right now. So knowledge, let it be available for free. I don't want to make money if I'm only going to make a dollar. I rather give it free. So that's a book perspective. When you said it, I thought I'll put it out. But what it holds for me, I want to grow my consulting business as a more of a practical person than theoretical correct person. And that's what I think uh, I want to grow my business. I want people just the way they trust my blog saying, hey, you do not get any extra information there. You just get a right answer there on the blog. That's why people come. I want people to reach out to me thinking, hey, he will not uh, give us long answer. He will not give us a uh, long, it depends story. He would just tell us, this is the situation, this is the solution. So that's what kind of independent consultant I want to grow. My blog right now, I have tuned it to such a way that it delivers the web page in a less than a two seconds. And I have done my page ranking on 97 out of 100 in a uh, one. And I think one of the business which I'm considering is to coach people for free how to tune their blogs to give delivery of content in a splits of second. And uh, I think that would be uh, one uh, I want to teach as a community work and to make money. I want to be an independent consultant in a database technology where people trust me as an honest guy. I'll take some of that coaching. I would be happy to give you. Our guest today has been Pinal Day. Pinal, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you. I mean, I, I'm so happy that I'm able to talk about a lot of different things and I didn't know I'm going to talk about it. But hey, thank you for digging deep into me and getting all the perspective out. Actually, I think I'm going to listen to this webcast again and again to hear myself and learn something out of it. So thank you very much. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Stefan. Absolutely pleasure. Next week on Agile Next, we have Chris Guzikowski. A big Agile Next thank you to our sponsors, Fresco Capital and Applebrook Consulting. Visit Fresco Capital at frescocapital.com and Applebrook Consulting at apple-brook.com. We hope to see you next week on Agile Next. In the meantime, check out our website at agilenext.tv.